Welcome into this Locked On Bears, Locked On Browns crossover podcast previewing a Super Bowl contending matchup between two of the powerhouses of the NFL. Chicago Bears host the Cleveland Browns on Sunday and we are excited to preview such a marquee matchup. My Locked On Bears listeners will know me, Lauren Cox, the host of Locked On Bears. You can find my work at Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com. And of course, I am joined by Jeff Lloyd, the host of Locked On Browns. Jeff, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you on Twitter and, and what you do? Um, it's pretty much this now. Uh, the writing will pick up a little bit more in the offseason, you know, I, you know, it's one thing you learn about doing a daily podcast. There's a lot goes into it during the day, you know, to actually get yourself ready to the point where you're actually recording. Uh, we'll do a lot of do a lot of the draft preview. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to do with the show is, you know, I've always been able to hopefully, you know, get some prospects to come on. Some of these guys going through it, so that's always fun. Uh, so with stuff like that on Twitter, guys, please follow the Locked On Browns uh, Twitter account. Uh, I do it as a follow for follow account. Uh, you know, you guys in this fan base you know a lot more about it as I'm new to it. But you guys have been great as far as getting me, you know, listeners. That's why, you know, I, you know, who you guys want to hear, you know, make, you know, this show your show. And my personal handle, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. You can always find me there. Uh, yeah, I have a pretty sick obsession with Twitter. <laughs> well, it's certainly a great follow for not only Browns, not only Jets, but NFL talk in general. I def- definitely recommend all my listeners go follow Jeff on Twitter. Entering in this game, Bears-Browns, obviously two teams – with nothing really to play for besides perhaps pride. And I think a lot of people are circling this on the calendar as a potential a, a scare for the Bears and an opportunity for the Browns to get win number one. I know they've come close in, in a lot of games, but, but for my listeners, I guess, how close have the Browns been? I mean, is this a team, at least from, from the outside, it looks like to me a team that isn't as bad as 0-14 quite looks. But is that does that appear to be the case from within? It does. Um, obviously, you know, there is a lot, a lot, a lot of youth on this roster, you know, like you guys know, like, you know, with your Bears, uh, you know, second youngest roster in the league. Uh, but there were there were games that could have been won. Uh, you know, the Jets game, I still will. I would still say to this day, they should have won that game. Hugh choked, you know, late in the game. That one was on him. Uh, they could have tied the game with about 10 minutes to go. And, you know, his defense had been doing a fantastic job up until that point. He got greedy, tried to go for it on fourth and one, got stuffed. Next thing you know, McCown took him down the field after everybody in the building lost all momentum. Uh, the Vikings game in London, they, if Miles Garrett played in that game, the, you know, I and a lot of other people think that Cleveland had a real, real shot to pull that one off. And now, obviously, you know, everybody knows how successful Minnesota's doing this year. Uh, the problem is, though, is the last couple of weeks, the promise seems to be slipping a little bit. You know, the Green Bay game, we had high hopes for. Uh, you know, there was a game they're leading 21-7 going into the fourth quarter. Um, all of a sudden, now Hugh doesn't have plays to get David Njoku a look, doesn't have plays to get Corey Coleman a look, or Josh Gordon a look. You know, you're up 14, you just got back. You know, Josh Gordon is one of the best five wide receivers in the NFL. You've only got him for a limited time, you know, in quotations, basically, because, you know, he's such a risk, and you don't even throw him the ball once. So, you know, just interesting, you know, last week was rough, uh, just you know, Baltimore. It just it was rough. I mean, there's just some spots now. You know, Kaiser's. You know, when you hear Duke Johnson came out and said it, you know, we got to be there for him. Which basically he was implying that the coaching staff isn't. You know, the guy's been through a lot. A lot, obviously. You know, last year at Notre Dame to this year now in Cleveland. 
you know, Hugh was all, you know, blazing roses about him and, you know, put his own stock on the line. And now all of a sudden, ah, well, maybe he'll never get it. Well, you can't say that when you built this kid up so high in August. Yeah, both teams have been going through their young quarterback experience. You know, Mitch Trubisky took over in week five against the Minnesota Vikings. And he's had some some mixed results, especially in the win-loss column. But, you know, he's put together some impressive throws in some critical moments. And then we get to last week against the Detroit Lions, and he has his first three-interception game. And, you know, even after that game, John Fox, the Bears coach who is going to be fired at the end of the year, he's, he called it <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky's best performance of the season, despite the three interceptions. So there, there's been some some growth there. And even if it hasn't been linear and, and you know, always one week getting better every single week, he, he's still starting to look like a, a promising young quarterback, even if it's not necessarily being reflected on the scoreboard just yet. Again, perhaps from some similar coaching issues, but it seems like Kaiser has had some up and down. Like I thought in that Green Bay game, he played pretty well. And, you know, there was a maybe in overtime that interception wasn't particularly his brightest moment. But, you know, in the first four quarters of that game, you know, they get up 21-7. And a lot of that was some nice plays from Kaiser. And then you kind of have the Ravens game last week where things really hit the fan. And like you said, they said his confidence is a little bit shot. So what what kind of trajectory do you see him on coming? You know, do, do you think he can bounce back after you know a good Green Bay game, a bad Baltimore game, and now maybe playing Chicago where they have maybe a feeling of a better chance to win? Or do you feel like it's on a little bit of a downward spiral for him? Uh, it's you know you're at a tough critical spot here, and you know and even he admitted last week you know he threw the interception you know he's like you know he's like well I know Josh is there and he admitted that he forced you know the interception to Josh Gordon which look any quarterback in the NFL if they got a guy like Josh Gordon they're going to do it but you kind of got to know what force he can do. You can force a ball 40 yards down the field. You can't force an interception where all of a sudden your defense is walking out of the field around the 30-yard line. You know, you've already given up the points, you know, so that stuff takes time. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it, it doesn't help that every week he had essentially a different wide receiver, you know, season was supposed to start with Corey Coleman and Kenny Britt, and boom, Corey Coleman's gone for six, seven weeks. You know, Kenny Britt just proved to be a selfish jerk, was there for the money, wasn't giving anything to the team. Now you're talking that they're running in basically essentially Jags at wide receiver. Ricardo Lewis, Rashard Higgins, uh, Bryce Treggs, Sammy Coates. I mean, it was, it's really Ooh. difficult. <laughs> exactly. It's really difficult when you're in the huddle looking around and going, all right, who's this? Who's this? I mean, you know, you need to just develop your time and, you know, it's just a lot to put on a rookie. You know, but you look, you can't fault the fact that he's, you know, well into the 20s in turnovers. It's been a tough, tough year for him. Either way, if they move on from Hugh or not, you're probably going to sign a veteran. You've got the number one overall pick in the draft. There's no other way to really go with the way this class looks to this point other than to take a quarterback, especially when you're going to have two top five picks. And look, maybe it'll be easier for him when he's around competition and everything can just kind of you know go through it with everybody together. But you know, it's tough. You know, you want a rookie towards as the season goes on to start looking better. You know. The end of the Green Bay game, the Baltimore game, starting to look a little worse, and it's it's tough. And I mean, you definitely you know when Duke Johnson's statement I think told a lot because I think that was maybe Deshaun Kaiser using someone because we know Hugh Jackson loves to use people for his voice pieces. Congratulations, Mike Silver. I think it was maybe De, I think it was maybe Deshaun you know having someone else you know speak for him, step up for him, and you know hey, good for Duke Johnson. You know I mean obviously you know he's Duke Johnson's words were what a lot of Browns fans are feeling. 
Well, let's let's move on to a guy like Duke Johnson and this Cleveland Browns running game because it seems like, you know, in spite of perhaps up and down quarterback play, they have had some performances of decent rushing, particularly in recent weeks. It seems like, you know, between he and Isaiah Crowell, they've they've gotten some ground game there, and obviously Duke is a, a pretty strong receiving weapon. You know, it, even as as Josh Gordon has kind of fluctuated in terms of getting him the ball in the offense do you, do you find that duke is kind of the the most consistent playmaker i guess for the for the course of the year even if josh gordon is perhaps the most talented uh i think it is um it, it kind of likened a little bit to the situation with bilal powell like you know bilal powell is a guy who looks good in spurts and every time the jets went to try to use more of them or make more of them he'd get dinged up you lose him for two to three weeks you know look there's weeks where he gets seven touches which is just terrible but, you know, between targets, between rushes, you know, he should be in that, you know, 13 to 17 range, you know, each week with a game plan. But then there's also some people that have the theory of, well, why are you going to make him take all these hits right now when it ain't for anything? So, you know, which I can understand, too. You know, I think Crowell, you know, they're just letting him, you know, he's obviously toting the rock a lot more. And, you know, he's going to he won't be here next season. He's going to go away. He's going to go for greener pastures. You know, the Browns will be totally fine with that. I think they like Duke Johnson. They like the chess piece that he is as a running back. Um, obviously, you know, with 12 draft picks, they're going to bring in, you know, other guys to share in that, you know, that stable with them. And it's just been so much going on, and they have the two young tight ends, so they try to work them in sometimes. I think it's just, you know, they're not ready, you know, I think they need to realize, you know, they understand that Duke Johnson, he's not ever going to be the Le'Veon Bell, the David Johnson, the Ezekiel Elliott type of running back. So if you don't have that type of running back, most likely the key to your offense is going to be throwing the ball. So, you know, obviously then you look at your receivers and your tight ends. But, you know, it's it's been inexcusable the way Duke's been used. But he, he had a nice year. Well, and didn't they, like, start the year with him playing, like, purely wide receiver? And then did they did they abandon that completely or did they still get him out there? I mean, what's kind of the split there with him as far as where he lines up? It's been a little different, I think, since Josh uh, Gordon has returned and Corey Coleman. He sees some more traditional running back, you know, type stuff. And, look, Deshaun Kaiser... Deshaun Kaiser loves throwing the ball deep. I mean, this, you know, whether people are covered or not, he's got no issues. <laughs> I mean, if you're calling plays where the primary is a deep guy, you know, Josh is struggling to get to his second and third reads. And so he's throwing deep, causing the issues, whereas if he did just look around and check down, especially, look, I mean, if you got Josh Gordon on the left-hand side and he's running a deep route and there's a lot of coverage there, you know if Duke Johnson's over there in the short left flat or, you know, couple yards past the line of scrimmage you know you've got that safety valve but Deshaun hasn't been able to process enough and you know looking to get the other guys involved it's you know it's just it's been tough because it hasn't been a consistent offense and it's really tough to put that on a rookie how is this Browns offensive line done because you know you you lose Joe Thomas and that's obviously a pretty significant loss up there but like the Bears have had a lot of issues rushing the passer this season and that's what has allowed even struggling quarterbacks at times to find success against them. They're, they're down their top few edge rushers and they've got Sam Macho and Lamar Houston out there running around at outside linebacker and, and not necessarily doing a consistent enough job as a pass rushing group. And it seems like, wasn't this the offseason where the Browns kind of revamped the offensive line a little bit? I know Joel Batonio on the inside is playing really well and I think JC Treader's a decent center too, but how, how is this team done in terms of, of pass protection for Deshaun Kaiser? I, I think I think they're a better run-blocking unit when Joe Thomas isn't here. The interior three, obviously, we throw, we throw in Kevin Zeitler as well. That's a great, you know, guard-center tandem. Uh, Sean Coleman, he's he's had s- some really good games. 
and then some dumb games, whether it's penalty-wise or, you know, sometimes the technique gets a little bit sloppy. But look, he's looking like he's going to be a continuous, you know, starting right tackle in this league. Um, so it's been a little tougher without Joe. You know, Spencer Drago, I think he's shown that he can be part of an offensive line, you know, and obviously it's a huge step down from a guy, you know, the level of Joe Thomas's play. But look, you know, uh, Crowell's well over four yards of carry. Kaiser's well over four yards on his rushes, as is Duke Johnson. They've done very well in that regards. I think part of the problem as far as, and if you look at sack numbers is, is Deshaun almost, you know, basically walks himself into a sack. He walked himself into getting killed and a fumble in the uh, Charger game where he just took too much time. There was a guy to throw to. There was a lane to run to. He didn't either. Just kept rolling left, you know, took the big hit. And a lot of times it's just holding the ball too long. And, you know, I understand you're a rookie and you're trying to make plays. But look, man, you got to have that internal clock where you know you are going to get lit up. If you, you get to four and you still got that ball in hands and nobody's open, you know, send it to section 317. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was looking at the, the pro football focus numbers on, on the, the Browns offensive line and like, they, they charge sacks not only to the linemen, but to quarterbacks when, you know, when it is more the quarterback's fault than the pass protection. And they've got Deshaun Kaiser with 10 of his own sacks and the offensive mm-hmm. lineman with the most is Spencer Drango with eight. So they've got Kaiser responsible for more of his own sacks than any of his individual offensive lines. So definitely seems to be an issue in pocket presence there. And, Really, I think Mitchell Trubisky at times has had some similar, you know, pocket recognition issues. I think he's got three of his 24 sacks uh, linked to him on uh, by PFF's numbers. But, you know, there have been a few times when he's either too quick to tuck it and run downfield or, you know, without keeping his eyes up and seeing a play downfield. Or sometimes he'll hold on to it just a little bit too long trying to wait and make that extended play. And as a result, you'll see a guy take more hits than you want to see. And you'll see, you know, just just plays that you want to see a, a rookie quarterback go back. So I'm, I, have a, I have a feeling in this game we're going to see both young quarterbacks make mistakes. And it's going to be sort of a matter of can Deshaun Kaiser make fewer mistakes than Mitchell Trubisky and, and can then the rest of the Browns offense keep up enough and, and potentially outscore a Bears team that put up really seven points of offense last week and only got a field goal because the defense forced a fumble right at the end of the first half. And just a, an offense that has struggled to get get off the field or, I guess, extend plays past third down and get in, in better down and distance situations. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this, though. Uh, now, you know, Trubisky, who only played the one year in college, but the year he played had, you know, three wide receivers who went with him to the combine. What's it been like for him? Because I know it's been a little bit of a rotating, you know, door at wide receiver position in Chicago. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I mean, the wide receiver issue there is maybe not quite to Brown's level, but it's pretty darn close. If Browns are the number, if the Browns are to have the 32nd ranked wide receiver core, I bet the Bears are right up at 31 because they've, you know, they've struggled with injuries there. They lost Cameron Meredith at the beginning of the year who had a strong year last year. They were looking for him to be a potential thousand, thousand yard guy this year. Kevin White's hurt again and probably as good as done in terms of a, a big time impact in his career. So it's been a lot of Kendall Wright, the former Titans first round pick out of the slot working here. And, and he's been playing well the last few weeks. And then special teams player Josh Bellamy's kind of been their number two for a while now. And they've got Marcus Wheaton from the former Steeler, who's been doing absolutely nothing. And Dontrell Inman, the former Chargers receiver, has came on strong when he first got here, but it's been kind of non-existent for the last few weeks. So with Mitch, even in spite of those lack of receivers, it's almost been more an offensive system problem than a receiver problem. I mean, he is getting them the ball, and they are catching it for the most part. But you get a lot of situations where the Bears personnel will 
indicate to the defense what they're going to do. They'll come out in two tight ends and a fullback with Jordan Howard in the backfield. And for the most part, they're going to run it. And when they come out in shotgun, they almost never run the ball. I mean, there's, there's little things where you can see defenses, you know, getting over aggressive in certain situations when they seem to know the offense's play call generally before the offense calls it. And like when Tariq Cohen motions out a wide receiver, they try and throw it to him a lot. So, you know, Trubisky, he's, you know, if he had better receivers, you would see better offensive success because you just have guys that get open more consistently. But there have been receivers open downfield. He has been, he's been able to find them for the most part, but there's just too many situations where it's an obvious passing situation based on personnel and the other team blitzes and sends a big rush and they can't get the ball past the sticks or they just have guys running routes short of the sticks on third and eight and it catches a six yard curl and there's nothing, you know, your, your tackle short and John Fox wouldn't go for it on fourth and inches if you paid him. So, you know, there's just little things that, that seem to be around the quarterback that have held him back from more success, even if, if wide receivers could be a difference maker too. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I got to think that's something that they're eagerly looking forward to. I mean, it's it's actually interesting because it could be a decent free agent crop this year, wide receiver wise. Yeah. That's near or at the top of the off season priorities that, and probably another pass rusher to go with Leonard Floyd. They need, you know what they say, they got to what protect the quarterback and, and get after the quarterback and then have weapons for the quarterback. And those, those are definitely three areas that I think they're going to try and focus on this off season. Yeah. Now I like Floyd, you know, the injury went down, that was tough to see, but you know, I think for the most part, and actually, you know, took a lot of ribbing through the draft process, but I think for the most part, he's uh, shown pretty well so far. Yeah. For the most part, there's, there's some give and take there as far as like, continuing to develop pass rushing moves and going beyond just he's faster than everybody else so he can kind of just out athlete and out hustle people for some sacks and you know he needs to be perhaps a more well-rounded pass rusher but for the most part his his progress when on the field has been consistent but I I wanted to ask you about the Browns young pass rushers particularly Miles Garrett we kind of know that he is a phenomenal young player but have they gotten enough from the guys you know outside of him you know they've got you know, like the likes of Carl Nassip and, and Nate Orchard and some of these young guys, how, how have they developed as a group? I, I got to be honest, other than Emmanuel Ogba, nobody else is really impressed as far as the pass rushing, you know, aspect of it. Uh, they play good run D, uh, everybody on that D line. They play solid run defense, which is fine. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett, you know, he's looked apart. Uh, part of the problem is the coverage is terrible. They give up way too much cushion. So, you know, these other quarterbacks are like, well, I'll just take the free seven yards because it's there. So, you know, Miles can't get home in 1.5. It's just not going to happen. So, but, uh, you know, Agba, he, he really, really looked good. Uh, it was probably the defensive MVP when he went down with injury, uh, was tied among NFL defensive linemen for uh, tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage at the time of his injury. Really showed well. I don't think, I don't know if he's ever going to be a major sack number guy. So that is something, look, you got 12 picks, you got $100 million in free agency, you know, you never have enough pass rushers. So I think that's something I would even say, maybe even as early as second round or, you know, third round, that's something they're going to look to add because, look, either way, the best thing about, you know, best thing you want to do with pass rushers is keep them as fresh as possible. So you want numbers, you want guys that can take, you know, you want one to get and go out there right away, take 10, 15 reps. So when you're taking that guy off, it's not just for a blow. It's for, you know, it, it's, you know, a, you know, one down through three down. You know, you get him a serious little bit of a rest. So they're definitely going to need one more guy. But I, I think, you know, Ogba and him are going to be a solid, solid duo because I, I think the one thing Ogba showed is is you're not going to be able to, you know, single team him. So 
you know, as much as you know you're going to probably have to worry about Miles Garrett, you know, Agba on the other side is going to be a, enough of a presence that you can't always leave him alone. I'm glad you mentioned the the secondary playing off because I wanted to ask you how that works. Is that is that more the cornerbacks staying way off, or is it just safeties playing too deep and, and giving too much over the middle, or is it a combination of both? Lately, the last couple of weeks, it's it's been all, and I, I think Greg Williams' theory now is is just a complete bend but don't break. You know, some weeks it works. It worked. Uh, you know, the Charger game, even though they lost, Chargers could have hung over 40 on them. They were able to hold them to a bunch of field goals. It worked that week. I just, you know, I, they don't have a free safety that they can trust to play a single high. So that's why he plays like he looks like a punt returner. Uh, the cornerbacks, look, Jason McCourty played well in the beginning of the year, but he was still a little bit off the receiver. But I think he was at 100% health, so he was able to drive better. I don't know if he's there now. And look, there's no excuses. It's late December. I mean, you know. If you're good, if you're not on IR in late December, then you're good enough to play. So, it, but it's been that way. Jamar Taylor, now he's another one. He's been dinged up. Uh, Brian Body, uh, Green Body, Colhoun, been a fantastic nickel corner for them, but he's banged up. Uh, you know, hasn't played the last couple of weeks. It's not looking too great for him for this week. Uh, you, they need, they need more in the secondary. There's no doubt about it. They need a safety. You know, they might need to sign one in free agency. They might need to draft a corner. They need a lot more back there. And look, you can't play Ben, but don't break in the NFL because the majority of the time you're going to break. Yeah, it seems like this would be the week for Greg Williams to mix that up a little bit because the Bears don't really have a lot of physicality at the cornerback position. I mean, Kendall Wright is a guy that you want to get physical with at the line of scrimmage and try and jam him out of his, out of his release. I mean, he's he's quick and he I mean he can shake you over the middle a little bit, but especially if a guy like Brian Body Calhoun is. How do you pronounce his first name? Brian. It's spelled Breen. so weird. Breen. Breen. Body Calhoun. It's B R I E A N. For those who don't know, and he's been yeah. a phenomenal slot cornerback. And if if he's in the game, that is probably my number one matchup to watch. Is, is a battle in the slots. But you know, I, get a guy like Jason McCordy up in the pads of Josh Bellamy at the line of scrimmage, and you're not getting any separation there. And you know, Dontrell Inman can create separation physically he's, he's probably the biggest most physical receiver on the team but he's been non-existent I think he's had three catches in the last three weeks and hasn't just not been uh, a threat at all and you know this would be the week if you're Greg Williams to scout the Bears and see that you know physical cornerbacks have had a lot of success against them and then bring your guys up on the line of scrimmage and challenge Mitchell Trubisky to, to hit tighter windows underneath and not just be able to take the check down for six yards. Well, it is also going to be interesting because uh, uh, Derek Kindred, who's played really well at the strong safety position, he was placed on our IR earlier this week. So Burrow Peppers is going to go back to a more natural home for him. You know, they've said that's where they're going to play him. He'll be, you know, five, eight yards off the line of scrimmage. So we'll see if Greg truly adapts. And, you know, I can understand when you're on 14 and maybe, you know, maybe you aren't put in the effort that you should be. But you got to do something here. I mean, it's blatantly obvious just watching it on the television screen. You know, let your stop routes, you, you know, two yards turn, and just it, it, there's just so much yards that they're giving away. And you got to have some faith that some guys are going to knock a ball down or make a tackle here and there. You just can't keep doing this. And I'm glad you mentioned Jabril Peppers there because, uh, you know, everyone knew about him coming into the draft, and he's sort of this en- enigmatic, perhaps, but some kind of defensive weapon and a lot of people including myself would have liked to see him play more running back and see what he could do there but you know he he's clearly a freak athlete and aggressive football player who's made some plays even if he's not always getting his hands on passes in in at Michigan but how how was he being used and how do you anticipate that being different now well i mean this was a joke for like the first half of the season he was playing you know basically playing a single high 30 yards off the line of scrimmage 
you know, which is anybody, you know, first things first, you know, watch his Michigan career. He went from corner, he went to safety, he went to an outside linebacker position. So, I mean, if that was the route he had to take in college, what all of a sudden made you think that now in the NFL you can just put him 30 yards? Look, as athletic as Jabril Peppers is, obviously I think the issue is he's not really great with flipping his hips. If anything's in front of him, and look, he was playing better as a free safety later, then he was a little dinged up for a little while. He was starting to play a little better. You know, the play, obviously, you know, with a guy like him, you know, as quick and as left he is, you want to move in left and right, you want to move in north. You know, the, the flip the hips, it's never really worked, but he was starting to play better. I'm not saying he was the next coming of Earl Thomas, but he was showing some signs of improvement. But look, now put him in more of a natural role, and look, you maybe need to realize that going into next year, it's okay to look at your brill peppers and say, you want to know what? You can play a little nickel linebacker. You know, Dayon Buchanan's doing it, the money backer thing. There's nothing wrong with getting your fastest guys closer to the line of scrimmage. That works, too. It, it just, you know, it, it, it kind of feel bad for the kid. I mean, I was tough on him during the draft process because I thought he was going to be too undersized to essentially play this role that he is. But now here it is, you know, and then they put him right back at it, you know, in a position that he, you know, doesn't do well in. You know, I kind of felt bad for the kid. But you want to know what? He's, he, kid's been a rock star about it, hasn't complained, you know. Comes to, comes to work every day, big smile on his face. You know, he's fun. He, he wants to play. He's happy that he's a pro. You know, but, you know, you never want to see a kid as a rookie put in a position where you know pretty much that there is no shot for success. So big picture here to to my – again, to my f- listeners here that probably have by, by a smart choice chosen not to watch a single second of Cleveland Browns football this year, what would you say is the biggest strength of this Cleveland Browns team heading into this game? And what do you think is the biggest weakness? Their defensive line is outstanding. They're, they're, they have the number, they are like, I think it's fifth or sixth in the NFL ever as far as a rushing defense. And all these other teams you see won a Super Bowl, lost in the Super Bowl, won, uh, won the NFC Championship, lost in the NFC Championship. And there you see you see the Cleveland Browns, I forget who put this stat up, and there it was, the Cleveland Browns, 0-14. You know, normally stopping the run leads to good things. Their defensive line's excellent. They rotate. You know, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, another rookie, every week gets better and better and better. Him and Shelton will be a starting duo next year, along with Ogba and Garrett on the outside. Solid young, solid player. He's really taken the jump, you know, obviously from the, the talent-wise, you know, playing at a lower level in college, but really hasn't looked unmatched to this point. <sighs> Off. What is the weakest part? I, There's I guess so many the we- to pick from. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the secondary hasn't shown well, but I mean, it, it, it's 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 Deshaun Kaiser. It is. He's just you know, I think now he's he's checked out. I'm not sure the fire's burning anymore. And look, you, you can kind of understand. You know, he's got his quarterback dumping on him. You know, then he got a new GM walking in the door saying there aren't any real players on the team. And when usually when major statements are made about an organization that are negative, it's usually somehow some way entailed to the quarterback. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a tough position, and guys wouldn't be losing their jobs. If you had good quarterback play, you're probably winning games. Well, to flip it to the Chicago Bears side here, it's it is it's tough to pick a biggest strength on this team, and so I guess I would lean their secondary just because they've been put in a lot of 
difficult situations. I think I think Fuller's. I think Fuller after you know a long time there. I think Fuller's looked really good this year. Yeah, he's he's had some up and down. So like there've been a couple. There's a big stretch during the middle of the season there where he was playing pretty well. And you know the last couple weeks there's been some missed tackles and uh, giving up a little bit too much space on the outside, making things a little bit too easy. And he's had some some tough matchups along the way too. So there's there's some give and take there. There's some there's some big plays and there's some. There's some not so great plays, and it certainly it's been a lot more net positive, and, and more so than we've seen in, in recent years for his career. So definitely stronger from him. But opposite him, Prince of Mukamara has been the Bears' best cornerback for much of the season. He's just he's one of those kind of quiet cornerbacks, which is a good thing. Where not a lot of balls thrown his way, not a lot of catches his way. He's made some nice pass breakups, has a couple interceptions, maybe a few more penalties than you like to see, but just kind of he locks down his side. It's quiet. It's you don't even think about it during the game, and you see a lot of balls thrown at Kyle Fuller's way, because I, I believe Kyle Fuller is the most targeted cornerback in the NFL for PFF's numbers, and Prince Mukamara has literally less than half of as many targets, but, you know, so there's there's some give and take there. You're going to see a lot of balls thrown Fuller's way, and then at safety, Eddie Jackson's been a, a great young player, looking like a, a solid playmaker, even if there's occasional mistakes, and next to him, Adrian Amos has been phenomenal as more of a box safety and playing up in in almost like a linebacker and run defense at times, but he's been hurt the last couple of weeks, and then they've been going with a, a special teamer they picked up off the street, Chris Brzezinski. He's been not good at all, and, and if if Amos isn't able to go, there's your weakness in the Bears secondary, but I, I think as a group, they've kind of been the Bears' strong point, and then in terms of weakness... I, I'm really tempted to go wide receiver because that's been a big issue and I, I would throw offensive coaching in general, but if I'm gonna pick, like, the thing that's been holding them back a lot lately is their pass rush. They just haven't been able to consistently get after quarterbacks. They've gotten some sacks. They, you know, I think they sacked Stafford four times last week, but they, he had too much time to throw on too many plays and he's able to, you know, over the course of a game, you know, extend drives and keep the Bears defense tired out and then their offense is simply unable to, to keep up. You know, maybe you could throw offenses just generally their, their weakest point, but I think that's too, that's too vague and too easy to go to. So in terms of like a positional group that's not getting the job done to the level that you might expect based on the players that they have, I, I would go with just the pass rush in general, not getting after the quarterback. Do you have, do you want to put a, a score prediction? On this game, on how you think it's going to go, do you think Cleveland gets win number one in Chicago? Well, right now in my heart of hearts, I'd rather be able to use the phrase of Cleveland, you're officially on the clock if they lose. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think, Aren't they pretty much officially on the clock already? I mean, Well, they, if, if they were to somehow win these last two games and the Giants don't win, now, oh, yeah, there, now, there you now you're getting into numbers. They're not officially on the clock yet. Uh, look, I just I just don't think, the you know, the, the advantage that they have is I don't think this is you know we're not going to we're not talking I don't think anybody's anticipating a shootout <laughs> on Sunday by yeah. any means I think so maybe if you can dumb luck your way into twenty points you may have a chance at winning this game but I, I just I just don't have the confidence right now uh, I think a lot of guys in that locker room there you know there's so many questions that haven't been answered that these guys you know maybe have checked out, you know, Hugh continuously pointing fingers that, that it's, you know, it, 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 nothing's him, nothing's his fault. You know, it, it's, 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 we don't have the players. I don't have the quarterback. I don't have this. And, you know, look, I mean, as a coach in an 0-14 team, you know, if you going out there taking the grenade every week in a press conference saying, this is on me, this is on me, and you lose your job, well, you should. You know, at the end of the day, you were the head coach of a 1-29 football team over the last, you know, last year and almost now two full years. 
that is that's your record. You are one and twenty nine. So, but you know, and I think that's got to hurt the players knowing that you know they're hearing, oh, Hugh's fine, Hugh's safe. The problem is the players. So I, you know, so you got to wonder how much motivated these guys are to go out there and do it for this guy. And you know, obviously now with such a young team and the NFL is such a long season, I don't have the confidence for them putting that twenty up. The one slight thing confidence I do have is who's the best athlete on this field. The Browns do have him in Josh Gordon. He is capable of it. So, you know, there is that possibility that, you know, he can, you know, essentially win this game himself. But I, I don't have the confidence in the team overall. So, Mike, I, I would go more of a, you know, definitely got to go with like an ugly score here. I'll go 19-13, Barry. <laughs> that's, that's a fun one right there. A lot you of field goals. Your, well, you know, of course, picking it at Chicago might not be the brightest thing, but hey. <laughs> yeah, you know, if I, I agree that if the Browns can luck their way into 20 points, they're, they're probably going to win this game. I mean, the Bears have won exactly one game this year in which the opponent scored 20 or more points, and that took overtime against the Baltimore Ravens. But the Bears have really struggled to break that 17 number. I mean, they they they, they beat up on the Bengals, and you know, they, like I said, it took overtime against the Ravens and the Steelers to get those wins. So I, I do think... You know, I think the Browns are going to kind of shut down the Bears' running game a little bit and kind of force the Bears to get a little one-dimensional. But I, I just don't trust that Cleveland secondary. I think Mitch will be maybe a little bit more conservative because of the interceptions he threw last week, and he'll just take those checkdowns and potentially eat up the Browns' defense for some yards. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a similar score, but I'll go more conventional. I'll say 2014. It's not quite not quite as ugly, but the Bears have a little bit more than a, a, a slim margin of victory. Is Jeff, is there any any closing thoughts you have on, on this preseason week four rematch? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, look, obviously everybody was hoping to see a little bit rosier of a picture. Uh, you know, maybe Cleveland is looking for what the Bears have. It's nice for the Bears that they can go into this offseason and say, you want to know what, the most major part of any NFL roster boxes checked. Cleveland, that's an absolute mystery. And hey, you know, look, it wasn't the greatest year successful wise for, for the Bears as well. But you know you've got that going into this offseason. You build around that. You know, and for Cleveland, hey, it's, it's going to get a little crazy here. It's going to get a little crazy here come January 1st. It's going to be crazy across the board January 1st. Black Monday will be fun and hopefully for both of our listener bases, Black Monday will bring on some change and bring some positivity into the offseason for both of these two teams. So uh, your Lockdown Bears listeners can get excited when they tune in and hear about the next Cleveland Browns head coach or the next free agent addition to the Browns. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some more offseason discussions about that type of stuff. And when it comes to draft season, you know I will be calling your number and getting you back on the show. Of course, buddy. Hey, look, it's, you know, hey, you know, it's nice to have a schedule in place for these 17 weeks, how you're going to handle everything, but it's going to be a little different in the off season. And, you know, hey, just a whole bunch of guys talking ball and, you know, talking free agency, talking draft, you know, talking, you know, combine should be a blast. Well, I want to remind my followers that they can follow my listeners that they can follow you on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And then, uh, of course, tune into the Lockdown Browns podcast for everything Cleveland Browns. If they want more in-depth analysis on the team the Bears are facing this week, they got to go your way. And for your listeners, again, I'm Lauren Cox. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. And Lockdown Bears is where we do all that stuff. So for Jeff Lloyd, I am Lauren Cox. This has been a crossover edition of Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Bears. <laughs>